Welcome to another episode of Axe of Blood God, an RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. We have reached the end of an era, have we not? We have indeed reached the end of an era. The final episode of Axe of the Blood God on US Gamer R.I.P. 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 in pieces. Let us pour one out. And joining me is the final two staff members beside myself, Eric Van Allen. Say hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. And Matthew Olson. I'm just going to say hello. I'm not going to do that that joke because he already took why it. Didn't, why didn't you say Why didn't you say hi, Eric? Aw. <laughs> nah. That's for you now. <laughs> As of this recording, it is the last working day for what remains of the US Gamer team, the three of us. God, we started the year with nine, and we're down to three. And Nadia's also here as well. She left a couple weeks ago. She's been yeah, getting I've... a nice vacation. I'm jealous. <laughs> kind of a vacation. Let's face it, I've been doing some work for things that are coming up, and I learned how to I learned how to edit my very own podcast. There you go. You did an amazing job, too. Thank you so much for that. No, oh, thank you for teaching me. It was uh, uh, not too bad, thankfully. Knock on wood, I'll probably be editing this one, and I'll be handling four tracks at a time this time. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. I believe in you. Um, yeah, I need yeah. everyone's energy. We've been recording a lot of podcasts uh, for the impending Patreon launch, but first, let's have a chill conversation. Let's pour one out for US Gamer. And let's talk about the year in games in general, not just RPGs. Let's talk about some of our faves. Kind of remember what everything that happened. This has been a weird year mm-hmm. by any measure, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, I don't feel like I need to tell any of you that. <laughs> like, I think this is the first year where everybody's been like universally just like, that wasn't a good year. I don't know anybody who's been like, you know, 2020, banger of a year for me. I loved it. <laughs> There are probably people like that, but they're pro- they probably know well enough to like kind of keep might it to be themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that too. Yeah. Someone's like, I like suffering, so I liked 2020 a whole lot. I'm trying to think of who even had a good 2020 because you know you might be able to say, oh, you know, there was a developer that had a really good game. You know, Nintendo, decent 2020. Jeff Bezos. Nintendo had a good 2020. <laughs> they're over there. They're doing all right. Yes. Animal Crossing. There you Ring go. Fit. Inner sloth. But before we get to all of that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. If you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor. Leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. It helps surface the podcast and it makes us feel good, especially as we head into the holiday period. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric Van Allen is at Moosey. That's S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Matthew Olson is at Matthew Olson, all one word, with one T, M-A-T-H. E-W. We don't have a newsletter next week or anymore, but we might mm, for have now. a, but we will have a Patreon next week. So that's exciting. Yes, we absolutely will. And who knows, we might find a way to resurrect the news, the newsletter once everything's settled in. Um, I do enjoy writing about RPGs. Y'all got to get in on that Substack game. It's, it's fresh. Yeah, I was thinking about starting a Substack actually, um, and giving the Charlie Pierce treatment to games coverage be the cranky writer who is just basically doing little pull-ups of quotes and being and dunking on people would be great <laughs> <laughs> i'm not like that i can't do that that's the cat bailey experience right there like fiery takes the cat fiery takes indeed uh yeah we might start a Substack or a site or something like that but we're also gonna be really busy because there's gonna be a lot of content coming down the pipeline for acts of the blood gods so 
you are not going to be wanting for stuff to RPG related stuff to engage with. That's for sure. Okay. First thing is first. Let's uh, get through some RPG news. First item of business. Cyberpunk is still bad. Our review is up. <laughs> we give it a two out of five. I, I, I still love how you like r- just read my notes verbatim. Cyberpunk is still bad. What else can you say? It's because your notes are funny, Nadia. You are a funny person, it turns out. <laughs> I just uh, I, I just write what comes to mind and everyone suffers for it. Well, I have to take my hat off to you, Eric. You were right. It turned out cyberpunk wasn't good after all. Was, was I out here? I, I felt like I was out here saying it was probably just going to be mediocre. Like, you're just going to be very middle of the mm. road. And somehow, mm. like, it's failing to meet that bar for me right now. Um, I, I've put about 20 hours into it, and I just hit a point where I just did not think that playing it more was worth it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I read Julie's review on the site. And uh, it was it essentially sums up a lot of the issues I have with the game in that it's a really cool world with some really great like individual character writing. But good Lord, it just feels superficial in a way and like sparse in a way that a game hasn't felt to me since like if you went back and played Grand Theft Auto three nowadays, that's kind of what it feels like where it's this really big world But the second you start to pick away at that world and say like, okay, what can I do in this world? It's like, oh no, you just, you just go over here and shoot some people and that's about it. So yeah, I, I want this thing to be good and I think it has some good ideas, but, uh, as I was telling somebody the other night, I was reflecting on how the Witcher grew over the years and like Witcher one was not that good of a game and it took them a few more tries to get to witcher 3 wild hunt and i don't know if that is going to be the case for cd project red should they decide to make more cyberpunk games but also at this point they burned a lot of goodwill just getting cyberpunk out the Mm. door (laughs) so yeah um a lot are people going to want to play a cyberpunk 2078 or whatever like i i don't know i'm hmm I don't even know if I'm excited for anything more in this world. It's just not doing anything for me. I think the games industry has just a short memory. And if it turns out to be good, the word of mouth will spread and people will come back. And people will remember this, Telltale style. The games industry remembered this. But <laughs> if they write the ship and, you know, fix their production practices and stop, you know, being so kind of awful, frankly, um, people will embrace them with open arms because people love a good comeback story. Yeah, they do. Um, although like Eric said, so much goodwill has gone down the toilet. I, there's going to, they're going to have to do some pretty amazing feats of programming to get everything back. Up hey, and they fixed no man's sky with a much exactly. smaller okay, team. So I was going to bring <laughs> that up. That's the difference. I think is that no man's sky is not a single player RPG narrative experience. It's like, it's closer to Minecraft than it is to Final Fantasy. Like you are exploring a world, you are creating things, things that you can share with others, things that others could look at and say, I want to do this too. Whereas Cyberpunk is like, you are playing a narrative. You are doing a thing in a world that has been crafted and designed by somebody else. So like, does making that better? Like, I think the thing that Julie pointed out that I really felt was even if you polish this up, 
is there anything underneath that will essentially become better because of that? I'm not sure there is. And that's that's where yeah. my problem is with Cyberpunk. From from the perspective of someone who's not yet played it and now basically doesn't plan on playing it anytime soon, like I find the No Man's Sky comparison to just it it just doesn't land for me because that game the the marketing and the and the promise that game got out of hand ahead of it but it didn't arrive like completely just busted and and devoid of promise it arrived with a clear view of what could be better about it and then they took it there and it sounds like if you set aside the things that are just objectively wrong about cyberpunk you're left with a pretty middling rpg experience as opposed to one that lives up to i think the hype that was built up around that game over the course of a decade mm -hmm. i think you're I, I think i disagree honestly first of all no man's sky was really boring speaking of somebody who reviewed it holy crap there was nothing in that game you went from planet randomly generated planet to randomly generated planet and then you kept going and you're like what am i doing this is a weird tone poem of a tone poem of a game and even when they introduced base building you're kind of like Eh, okay. It took them, it took basically a comprehensive overhaul to make that game even remotely enjoyable. I'm just saying. As for Cyberpunk 2077 itself, I actually think there is a solid basis. I mean, the Night City itself is extremely compelling. There are some really good characters like Pan Am. There is a, so much lore to dig into from the actual tabletop setting. It is, in its own way, actually quite gorgeous, especially if you were playing it on a high-end PC. And then all it takes, honestly, is for CD Projekt to... Like, one of the key uh, criticisms that Julie was throwing out in her review was that uh, these side missions, they're, like, too straightforward. They don't have that element of surprise. They don't have that nuance, that depth that Witcher 3 does. And that's, like, totally fair enough. Witcher 3 is always playing with your expectations, Cyberpunk can do the same thing. There, You can write better quests for this thing. There is a better story to be told. And when they do that, I think Cyberpunk can really sing. Also, they need to be able to turn off the mic, the, yes, the cell yes. phone because, oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> yes. yes, I heard that complaint several times. Yeah. I, as, as, as someone who likes just going planet to planet in No Man's Sky, though, and just kind of roaming around, though, I got to say, like, that was there from the beginning. And it sounds like mm -hmm. a lot of the complaints about Cyberpunk are like, hey, you got, you got some good stuff here. Now just build good good content into that yeah. stuff uh and that's that's gotta be like a disappointment for people who expected you know uh they're they're like memorable witcher 3 type quests like out of the box yeah it's uh like i see the turnaround for this like 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 you mentioned cat pan am is incredible judy's incredible river and um i always forget the guitarist's name the other side character you spend a lot of time with uh carrie i think um they're memorable you know I say memorable. I just forgot his name, but <laughs> um, but it's uh, I it needs like that hearts of stone to to really sell it. I think I don't think it's just going to get better with bug fixes and with tune ups, and they're kind of locked into doing that until February at this point. So um, I think the one thing that could really turn Cyberpunk around is this standalone multiplayer that they've been talking about because I feel like that's maybe more of what I want out of this world, which is getting more involved with the actual factions themselves and exploring a night city that feels alive and vibrant and not just kind of like set dressing for the quests you're doing. And if they can make a cyberpunk online multiplayer that feels even the slimmest bit like a GTA online, I think I would be personally more interested in that. 
uh but mm. they also need to fix the base game so <laughs> <laughs> long road ahead i wish ahead. it didn't feel so gta it feels so it's dang GTA. gta i don't like gta yeah. It's a nice reminder that maybe I don't want to play a new Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Parting thought. You know what Cyberpunk 2077 kind of reminds me of? Pokemon Sword and Shield. A game that was kind of busted in its own way and was a little bit weak sauce and a little bit thin. Like, I liked it better than most, but I know a lot of people were really did not like, say, the wild areas felt it was un- half-baked and under-realized. And I think a lot of people saw Gen 8 as kind of a a lost cause and if anything i think that the crown tundra dlc and the uh, the other dlc which i'm is escaping me isle of armor mm-hmm. dlc they brought they brought so much to the table and had some really phenomenal quests and uh you know they added a large number of areas and they greatly refined the the wild area and they fixed a lot of stuff that was kind of annoying about pokemon sword of shield and now i can look back and go yeah jenny it's all right I mean, plenty of people will disagree with me, but screw them. <laughs> I, I like Gen 8 from the very start, so mm. uh, I might not be the person to uh, counter you here, but uh, you're right, the DLC was pretty excellent, and uh, I feel like it, it goes back to what um, Eric was saying, how or Matt was saying, how there was a solid foundation with No Man's Sky that you could build upon. It was the same with Sword and Shield, and they built upon it, obviously, but I don't know if I can comment on Cyberpunk, but... By the sounds of it, if it's kind of empty, then uh, good luck building upon that. Mm. Got a clean it's, slate. It's so much bigger and involved than a Pokemon game or maybe even No Man's Sky. And there's so much scrutiny around it now. So uh, CD Projekt Red really has its work cut out for it. It's got a real uphill battle. I'm curious to see where it goes from here because uh, remembering Fallout 76 and what a disaster that was, but Bethesda stuck to it and said, okay, well, we're going to try to make something decent out of this. And that's what you can say about Fallout 76. It is decent now, at least. Will CD Projekt Red kind of fade into the background, or will they fight? I, I am curious. Okay, I'm sick of talking about Cyberpunk. <laughs> this is a very boring conversation. Um, <laughs> beyond that, not a lot of RPG news in general. So, well, let's pour one out for US Gamer really quickly. Yes, after seven years, US Gamer is officially ceasing publication. It is a really sad day. Uh, We have some farewell articles going up on December 31st, but as I already mentioned, this is our last working day. Um, I'll say that I started at US Gamer in 2014, and I actually had a lot of misgivings about the position because I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back into the games press at the time, and it turned out to be kind of amazing for my career, and I really felt like uh, I really felt like I hadn't done my best work when I first started at US Gamer. And I really, really wanted to do that. And I still don't feel like I've done my best work, but I've gotten a lot closer, I think. And I've learned a lot about just being in the games press and I've made so many amazing connections and had a lot of good memories. And, you know, if anything, the kind of the outpouring that I've seen with the news that US Gamer is going away uh, shows that the last three years, you know, we're not, they were not for naught, right? (laughs) Uh, P- U.S. Gamer did make an impact, uh, did make an imprint, and uh, I think it's something we can all be really proud of. Yeah, I agree. I think it really is something to be proud of. Uh, I started in, gosh, I think it was 2016. Uh, Parrish brought me on as a, a freelancer in a full-time capacity, and then I finally got on the payroll 
first time writing getting on a payroll i was just jazzed like holy crap i have dental now i i am rich so <laughs> um i feel like well i've been at this for a very very long time and i feel like us gamer was probably the most you know productive use of my time the most the most i've grown since uh starting as a writer because uh that's all due to to Kat and Katie and all my coworkers and really pushing me because sometimes I tend to be a, a bit of a, a daydreamer and a drifter. So they helped keep me in line. And I think I produced some of my best work so far. I'm not saying I've reached my height because God knows when that will happen. But I think I have some articles that I'm really proud of. Uh, getting to talk to Ted Woolsey was mm, a yeah. highlight for me because his localizations are a big part of why I'm a writer today. Uh, of course, talking to Yuji Hori, that was a highlight. Uh, I've really done a lot that I never thought I would ever accomplish under a US gamer. And I think, uh, well, just go to show where life can take you. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy it was here, even though it's all, go- it's all ending now. Nadia, we were best pals almost as soon as you started at US Gamer. I mean, we had already, we'd already been kind of acquaintances before that. And we had worked together, certainly, you know, at 1UP and GamePro and that kind of thing. But I, I just remember venting to you a lot on Slack, <laughs> which felt <laughs> uh, really cathartic in 2016. And yeah, like you very quickly, it became a, a very quickly apparent that we had a real rapport, right? That mm. worked really well on on podcasts. And I, I think Acts of the Blood God just would not be what it is without you, honestly. Uh-huh. Like having you come aboard has just been so amazing for this podcast. It really made it what it is today. So it's been... It's been a wonderful working relationship. Thank you. I think so. Uh, I'm just really, really surprised at how pe- how much people have enjoyed me as a podcaster. And I'm really, really appreciative of, of the, the people who listen to me. And I hope you will continue to listen because we ain't going nowhere. Nope. Mm-mm. It's hard for me to find the words to say. Like, I, I was a pretty recent employee of this site. And uh, I remember back in 2019 when I first got hired and... Like it was immediately the second I started, we were already filling out paperwork for me to go to to E3 and stuff like that. And <laughs> I remember that. I yeah. mean, like from my perspective, I had gone from being an esports writer who occasionally wrote about games to being a freelancer in games to now I was going to E3 as the news person for US Gamer. <laughs> and um, I specifically remember my first appointment was to talk to. Um, the heads of Pokemon right after they had announced that the Dex was oh, not God. national oh. <laughs> and what walking a, a into that interview, I was just like, Oh my God. Um, I was freaking out. I was just so petrified because I'd interviewed some famous people before that, but never on that scale. And certainly never to that level of like, I have to ask them a very uncomfortable question and demand answers from them. Um, and that's something that I felt I got even throughout that weekend, just got more comfortable. That was like my trial by fire was that E3. That was totally, everyone has one. Um, that was yours. Yeah. Cause that was also the one where uh, like my two articles that I think broke out from E3 were that interview and then the the Shenmue 3 interview where I asked the creator how far into Ryo's story Shenmue 3 was and he pulled out his water bottle <laughs> and pointed <laughs> at, at like less than halfway up the water bottle and I was like 
and I was even charitable. I was like, is that like 50%? And he's like uh, 35 or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, I remember I remember transcribing that interview. It was, it was hell. I didn't know what the hell I was listening it was, to. It was truly bizarre because I played the game there, too, while he, he was watching me. And I was like... This is this. It's really weird to play Shenmue with the person who makes Shenmue and the creator who made Shenmue is watching you play it because, like, I'll be honest with you, I enjoy Shenmue ironically. Um, I like I find the way that it's it's very determined and and stilted in places to be fun in a way that was interesting back then, but not interesting now. It's just kind of funny now, and so that was very strange trying not to laugh during some of the conversations that happened in that game and but all that said like i it was the most incredible weekend that was when i met a bunch of people at the site obviously and then throughout going to more conventions and just hanging out in the slack i felt like i really in short time found a a work home here even more so than i did at previous jobs and it's it's a really freaking good team that we assembled here at US Gamer. Um, we we were really on the up and up. We were on the rise, and uh, it's a shame we don't get to see through some of the ambitions we had set out for ourselves. But uh, I have literally zero doubt in my mind that every single one of us is going to go forward and do even greater things in this industry, and it'll be at least nice to look back and see that we were all at once at one site at one point and doing incredible things together and you know if people aren't cognizant of that they're not cognizant of that that's that's their decision they had us they lose us that's their call you know make your call i mean the three of you can speak for yourselves about you know not having done your best work yet or you know having having places to go i peaked when i talked to cisco right before the <laughs> pandemic hit so yeah. um, that was a great article oh uh, when so Wes good from Eurogamer, like with like sent an email saying hey that was a really good article i was just like dang it's like Wes west does not give praise easily well, no. maybe Wes just really loves a thong song. But yeah. Um... Matt, please. Like, you are so underselling this, though, Matt. Like, the way you pitched that story was incredible, too. <laughs> well, you know, you, 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 do, you do what reporters do, which is uh, follow up on every single strange comment make, made on a Kickstarter and uh, figure out if it's true or not. You know, if someone is telling the truth about their identity online. I, um, I remember the no, day you said, is this Cisco? <laughs> I think this commenter is Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I started even even later than Eric, and I don't, I don't know how the math works out for you, but uh, I've spent most of my time at this site um, under the, the struggles, the pressures of a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, which has certainly been mm. interesting. It's been an interesting time to be uh, relatively new to the the games industry, but I'm really proud of a lot of the reports that I was able to put out in my time here, uh, and really grateful for the chance to work with you all and to learn from all of you. Um, Eric and I have spent a lot of time trading dumb memes in Slack, while also then you know <laughs> probably an equal amount of time, maybe maybe a, maybe slightly less time, uh, hashing out you know the finer points of reporting on. Uh, really fraught topics Mm -hmm. or you know just coming up with angles on stories that everybody's chasing Mm -hmm. uh, to make something novel and of real value and interest to the readers Um, so that's been just a complete joy to work with everybody 
is still here. Everybody who has has left us recently, you know, folks like Katie, Mike, everyone in the UK, um, and I, I, you know, no no regrets as they say uh, <laughs> online. Um, it, it's been a, it's been a real fun time, and uh, I'm I'm glad that we're all going to be able to stay in touch mm-hmm. over Discord and. Uh, keep keep passing around the most cursed stuff we can find online. At the very <laughs> least, I'm glad we'll have that. Uh, cursed memes only from now on. Yeah, I get to mm-hmm. DM slide everybody now, being like, "Hey, you want to see something cursed?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and you know what? I'm gonna say it. Uh, this site was so so. What a, what a blessing! I arrived at this site the year that a Half Life actually came out. Oh my god! You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I worked my butt off and. That March, it was like the only thing that kept me sane as we all went into lockdown. And then after that period, once the once the shine of like the thing that teenage Matt always wanted wore off, uh, y'all helped keep me sane throughout mm-hmm. this. So thank you, especially to everyone on on this podcast for being a pal through at this crazy, <laughs> awful year. What a year. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I there was always kind of a barely restrained chaos. Uh, to us gamer mm-hmm. which is probably a lot my doing but also the fact that we were all literally working remote the entire time which is a really challenging way to run an actual publication we did not have a centralized office we only occasionally met each mm-hmm. other i never actually met matt mm-hmm. remarkably <laughs> i was really looking forward to meeting him i was planning on going to new york uh to meet with the read pop higher ups uh, in like may or thereabouts so i was like i want to meet matt while i'm out there well, that sure didn't happen, didn't it? And yeah, you know, um, so yeah, we're all working remotely across multiple time zones. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're nine people with hardly any resources. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of the resources were completely centralized in the, the home office, right? So like we had to meticulously plan out all everything we did with, say, original art being able to get tech resources. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry to everybody who had to put up with our spam comments for years yes, and years. That, that really, really annoyed mm-hmm. me. <laughs> that was the absolute worst because like, you know, we had a really vibrant community and then around 2015, the spam just went bonkers and we, and we like yelled for years, be like, what the heck is going on with this? And for whatever reason, they were never able to solve it. And it just blows my mind to this day that, I had to spend a solid five years just manually clearing mm-hmm. up spam comments. Yeah, I don't know about y'all. I found some good job opportunities out of those comments. Yeah, there's I'm making, some great I'm, emails. I'm making four thousand dollars a day from home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that the readers of US Gamer are so concerned about our job prospects. <laughs> They're letting us know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that sucked. But you know, I think the truest thing that Eric said was that we were punching above our mm-hmm. weight like really consistently and and that felt really good. And I also just really appreciated the, the insane passion with which people worked. I think we were all like maybe too passionate at times and to the point of burning ourselves Mm -hmm. out. And I don't know, that's just maybe who I am. Like I, I push and I push and I push and I push. And when I care a lot, I care too much. And for better or worse, I was setting the tone, but you know, I, I really appreciated that everybody like, took ownership of the site mm-hmm. in their own way and had an opportunity to really, I don't know, kind of write about what they wanted to write about, put their personality into their individual writing. Like 
when you read U.S. Gamer, you really felt a strong voice, and I, you don't see that that you don't see that enough. I don't think with a lot of publications, just because so so much of it is just SEO writing, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just very bland. It's so bland to go to a lot of sites. I felt good that for the handful of people who did actually find their way to their homepage, I like to hope that they found something interesting to read every time. Yeah, that was like a big thing, especially when when Matt came on that I was getting tired of us just doing write-ups that were like, hey, there's a new Fortnite patch and hey, there's you know, things that you were already reading on every other gaming website and things that honestly you were probably reading on companies' Twitters and stuff like that too. Whereas there there was so much more opportunity for us to to flex in different ways. And I think that like you said, that came through in our writing, that came through in the the beats that we chased, that even came through in our guides, like the way that Jake retooled guides earlier this year for, for the Animal Crossing rollout. Like that sounds like it's a very minor thing, but it's it's a testament that throughout the summer I would Google things like just how to do something in Animal Crossing and his guides would come up and they would be really good ones and and like very accurate and very well detailed and, and like I just felt like what we were always putting out there was was our best and representative of us and that's really all I could ever want in a site is for us to not just be another X game publication or whatever but for us to be us and, and let that speak for itself so us gamer you might say us gamer <laughs> oh, God. us gamers turns out us was gamer all along <laughs> the worst name ever my god uh, who came up with that jeez jeez louise like there were we had like two opportunities to change it and it was like well we can't change the domain it's like but from that point on we were always kind of doomed to be stuck a little bit in Eurogamer shadow just by virtue of the name you know that was part of the reason that i you know retooled the branding and you know, started shortening to USG a lot more often and everything was just to separate us from Eurogamer so that people were like, so are you like some kind of syndication site for Eurogamer? It's like, what do you do exactly? US Gamer is yeah. weird though, because then it turns into like, like Eurogamer, okay, it's a mashup of Europe and Gamer. But when it was USG, mm -hmm. I always thought, wait, am I going to have to, because people would be like, oh, USG, what's that stand for? And I was like, uh, United States of Gamer? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> US Gamer! USG! For heaven's sake! This is always a bad I did name. have people, I, I forget, it might have been at a PAX or something, but I did have someone say, oh, like, I was going in for an appointment and the PR rep was talking to a developer and they were like, oh, us gamer is here. And I was like, uh. <laughs> kill you. You will die. Yeah. Even when people were saying um, tongue in cheek, they're like, oh, it's us gamer. I'm like, yeah. And then the gamer yeah, came okay. out and they took all this, the, the flack for being the gamer website. <laughs> Shout outs to the yeah. gamer. <laughs> Thank you, Kirk. There, There is so much to be said for just having a site that we could all, like the other thing is, is that we all gathered here and we were all able to better each other in our own ways. Like I mm. learned things from, everyone here and different things for everyone here i learned to write funnier from nadia and joel and i learned to write cleaner from katie and i learned to 
dig deeper on angles from cat and i learn to really go into the details of why something is happening and how and like laying it all out very well from matt and like i can go back like some of my favorite pieces this year like the marvel versus capcom 2 piece i can go and i can read that and i can identify all the places in that piece where i've been applying the things that i've just gleaned from being around y'all's work and being you know editing y'all's work and getting feedback from you and it's that like iron sharpens iron adage and all that but it's it was really true like i i feel like i hyperbolic time chambered while while i was at usg (laughs) like i i went from being this precocious esports writer uh to really leveling up a lot of different aspects of what i do and and also we had the freedom here to kind of go wild with our um our thoughts or our our ideas like the the black lives matter charity stream that you brought up that was like on monday morning i pitched that in a meeting i was just like hey we should do a charity stream for this because uh shit's happening out there (laughs) y'all and um and i was in a position where i was just frustrated that because of COVID restrictions and stuff, I couldn't personally do anything. I had to just sit at home, but I wanted to help somehow. And I found out that there were a lot of other people who wanted to do the same thing. And in the span of like four days, we put that, I mean, I was, I was making the stream layout for that, uh, at like 3am the morning prior. I, (laughs) I had, um, I had a friend of mine looking at my screen through screen share on Discord, like, hey, does this stream layout look all right? Does this look good to you? Like, what do you think? And uh, that it all came together is nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> and and that it worked out so well was was incredible. And like, that was the environment we had here was we were people who wanted to boost each other up and make each other better. So. Yeah, I think I really appreciate that everybody brought something unique to the table. Like, mm-hmm. I thought Katie made US Gamer 25% cooler just by her presence. Oh, absolutely. Like she, yeah. Oh, yeah. She knew all the cool writers. She knew all the cool games. Um, she was going on Giant Bomb and stuff like that. And I just felt like she was so connected to the outer edge of games in mm-hmm. a way that maybe I wasn't. And I really just incredibly appreciate her insight she played like everything oh my god that was she did i don't know how she did it i have a long list of games that i need to play that are basically it's basically consists entirely of things that katie either Mm -hmm. pointed out or reviewed and that i'm just like i'll get to it one day i I know it's gonna be good because she said it's good yeah she just knew she was in the zeitgeist in a way that was pretty amazing and then like when i look at the rest of the team mike was the longest serving member of this team and that dude knew a so much about entertainment and b mm-hmm. he i mean his world of warcraft retrospective yes. was incredible yes. it was like ten thousand words it was insane the dude knows so much about that game yeah mike is probably the person i'll miss the most mm-hmm. i mean i already miss him we haven't worked with him in a long time he's also but, kind uh, of the glue you know he, mm-hmm. he kept us together yeah he his gentle presence no offense to eric but Mike was definitely the goat of my one and only packs with with some of y'all in terms oh, of Mike is incredible to hang out with the packs. I I take no offense to that. <laughs> yeah, in terms of being able to just like in 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 a word or in like, you know, a, a quick sentence tell you what you need to know about the the work of being there, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. equally good at telling you when it's like good to relax, when it's, you know, the right time to go, "Hey, take a moment, breathe, like it, it, enjoy this while you can." Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I appreciated his guidance so much. And then we all got sick from hot pot with Reb, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know what this we is. I am impervious <laughs> to the hot pot sickness. Y'all, y'all are just. You didn't eat enough of the seafood. See, I was down there chowing down mm, on the raw seafood, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. what you needed. You needed the nutrients. Oh my god. Yeah, I would have passed on all of that. We should not have done that <laughs> at the tail end of February this year, and I'm glad we I'm glad we all made it out the other end stronger for it. Um, but I, I'm glad you mentioned it, Kat. Like the stable of freelancers we built up over the year too. Mm. Like we have had some incredible writers at the site, like Julie, John Learned, Kihun Chan. Like there's so many excellent writers that have been contributing. Yes. Yeah. Um, like so many people we got to write for for us gamer and who contributed here and i felt like every- i felt like we were a magnet for really good writing yeah. like people wanted to write mm-hmm. for our site like having a byline on us gamer meant something and i really appreciated that and all of our choices felt very like they were not just someone who was going to oh well we need someone to review this game so they can review this game but like mm-hmm we had people who were experts in the subject matter or who had interesting takes who could provide something of use and of interest. Um, I like, I'm just always impressed with the freelance output we had here. And by the way, shout out to the UK team who, Oh, hell yeah. my God, absolutely. Like my first year, I barely had any concept of how to actually manage a team that was working while I was asleep. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it took a long time for me to really get to grips with how I could properly ensure that they felt connected to the team and did not feel like they were just over here, expected to produce content, whatever, produce guides. And I think that the best, one of the best things that happened this year was that we were finally able to get the UK team to the point where they felt like they were part of the team, yes, right? You yes, know, that they weren't yes. just yeah. like, in their own freaking corner being completely ignored by the US side. Mm-hmm. That's that's not easy given that when I wake up at 8 a.m. when I get started in the day at 8 a.m. Pacific, it is already 4 p.m. their time. They're almost done. <laughs> They're about ready to quit. Yeah. yeah. Um so I, w- I want to shout out real quick. All of them are excellent. Jake is excellent. Hearing is excellent. But I need a special shout out here for Joel, uh hmm. who one of the the things we started i want to say earlier this year was the idea of beats where everybody had their own individual reporting areas that they would kind of send any updates or whatever to me on and uh we we did that on and off throughout the course of the year and joel's beats uh were specifically red dead online and gta online and he was covering that stuff at times when there was some wild stuff happening in both of them. They're like the, the <laughs> alien right gangs, thing. like and yeah. uh in Red Dead there were like dead horses appearing everywhere and stuff. And we quickly bonded over just enjoying how ridiculous that community was. And also Joel is one of the funniest writers I've ever read in my life. <laughs> and you need he to is. go read his articles. I just today revisited uh the bungeon which was his haunted mansion slash sex dungeon that he made in animal crossing (laughs) um and i highly recommend that piece because the bungeon is still incredible (laughs) that was his hiring was all jake by the way because uh jake you know they were looking for people in the uk and so i was not super involved with that process and then he was like i should i think we should hire this guy joel i was like what who who the heck is this person (laughs) and uh, but like i loved his resume and everything Mm -hmm. and when i talked to him i knew immediately i was like okay this is a good person 
I, I like him a lot. And yeah, I hope he finds a place that really uses his talents. Yeah, no, that's actually, you know, what kind of kills me is that I didn't get to work even closer with Jake and Joel in particular because, I mean, Joel is so freaking funny, as you already said, mm-hmm. and Jake is just a freaking wizard when it comes to SEO, mm. but... He's also really cool. Like he did this, um, he ranked all of the punk bands in Last of Us Part Two. Oh, that was so good. Was Great epic. piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like in a band. I'm like, dude, Joel's way, or Jake is way too cool for me. But um, yeah, he and Jake, he, he and Katie, the, the coolest ones. And then Hiran, oh my God, like that dude really blossomed mm-hmm. over the past yes. year mm-hmm. when it came, especially when it came to news coverage. Yeah. He was always finding just the most interesting uh art coverage and everything and he was always straining and to be like i want to write the take Mm -hmm. on this game i want to write the best thing about this game and that there were times when i had to snap him back and be like okay here and calm down but there are other times where i was just like you know go get it here and i love your your passion and your verb and your energy and i want to foster that you know it was hilarious Mm -hmm. he had a lot of it was hilarious seeing every other game's website start doing the Elden Ring fandom beat like mm. two weeks after Herod was already on it and covering it. And I was just sitting there and I was like, man, he's so far ahead of the game. And yeah, his his Elden Ring and his Hollow Knight coverage were the ones that I remember like very well. Um, he was on top of both of those in a way that's like, this might be a little too inside baseball, but as a news writer, you look at what's easy to cover, which is, you know, the hype cycle of whatever game is coming up, you know, your cyberpunks and your stuff like that. But he was finding these games that they weren't getting official press releases from the devs. They weren't getting like the traditional press cycle of here's all this info. And he was still finding ways to talk about those communities that were hungry for information. And that is such a massive testament to his ability to, to cover the news and cover communities that like, yeah, he, he came into his own this year. It was really impressive to watch. Yeah. So in the end, we had a really amazing team. And I just remember when we got the news, um, we had a lot of really neat ideas like percolating mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we were in the process of making another podcast. Yep. Um, it was going to call it be called Sayonara Last Generation, and we had like uh, the we had an incredible roster of guests who were going to be on this thing, and like Katie was spearheading it, and it was just going to be like a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. I, I already loved the art that was coming into it, and we had this awards thing that we were going to do mm-hmm. in September called like Unsung Heroes, where we were going to honor you know, the people who deserve to be honored uh-huh. in the games industry. And I just remember like when I got the news about US Gamer coming closing, like going into the Slack channel and everything was like so busy and buzzing and everybody was just, uh, you know, going about their individual projects. And I had like 20 DMs and I'm just like sitting here going, damn, uh-huh. you know, like to, we were there. Uh-huh. We were there. We had just made it and we ran out of rope. What a shame. But yeah, at the last possible second. Yeah. But um, I'll say that. And so I wrote my goodbye, like kind of article for the site, which is going up later this week as of the release of this podcast. I'm I talk about like my overriding desire to see games be better. Like, I feel like video games deserve better. I feel like we all covered video games from a place of deep, deep passion, not cynicism. This desire to yes, yeah. have games actually 
be taken seriously. And as I observe in the article, games are a mainstream concern these mm-hmm. days. When Cyberpunk 2077 goes horribly wrong, the BBC and the New York Times are covering it. Washington Post has a freaking very successful vertical. Everybody plays games. We're long past the point where they were seen as kind of a backwater. And I think that they should be treated better. I think the game awards should treat them better, uh, create treat creators better. I, I think that we need to elevate the influencers who are actually adding to the conversation, not just being toxic. Um, I think that we need to recognize the really good people in the media who are doing incredible work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, across the board. So yeah, no, I just, I want to see, I, I, I think that was in its own way, the thesis statement of us gamer, because us gamer itself, <laughs> us gamer had a very weird, like kind of mercenary start where like it was conceived as a site to access the American ad market. Uh-huh. That's how it was. Right. That was how it was conceived. It, the name us gamer was just like, yeah, it's the off brand American version of Eurogamer. Okay. It's up to the writers and the editorial team to make of that what they will. Mm-hmm. And right from the start, you know, I think Jeremy Parrish and Jazz Rignall and, and Mike and Cassandra Kaw, they like really set the the standard and, and immediately where they were like, we want to have high quality features. We want to have high quality reporting. We want to have a real sense of historical perspective when we're putting out our coverage. And one way or another, that thread has persisted throughout the entirety of us gamers run and it's just this desire to do better this desire to go that much deeper if i was offended on a personal level because skyrim was at the top of a top rpg level list it's because i didn't feel like they had done the work (laughs) i felt like i felt like they hadn't interrogated it enough and i felt like games deserved more than just the ultra cynical ultra marketing focused take and by the way i know the person who picked skyrim at the top of that list and i love him to death and he's a great person whatever (laughs) but um my point is is that that was what us gamer was always fighting toward was to make gaming coverage better and you know at the end of the day i thought we started to get there and i can feel okay about that like i said we we can really be proud of the work that we put in we put it in from a perspective of you know, maybe older folks like yourself and and me like contributed to a, a a discourse that you don't really see very much in this market because well, people tend to take off uh, for other positions because let's face it, this doesn't pay very well. Um, but I think we all brought our unique voices to US Gamer and really melded into something special. And I'm still a little bit bitter that it's all going away when we were really on the cusp of doing something fantastic. It's really cruel, isn't it? I mean, it's just, if not for the pandemic, we'd still be here full stop. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Yeah. Like budget cuts, they came inevitably and that was an act of God. Wear a damn mask. I swear to God, anyone of y'all not wearing a mask, I'm going to find y'all. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like again, just the best testament that we can leave to the site is all of us going off and doing incredible work and trying to spread some of that out to the rest of the industry. And that's kind of what my goodbye post is is about. Is like we're not done fighting. I don't think any of us are really done doing what we want to do yet. Um, we're you know we've already seen some folks go on to new stuff, and I think the rest of us are still eager to get back in the ring and and keep 
spreading that USG love wherever we can because yeah, industry needs more of it. It needs more of that. Not, you know, cynicism, like you said, but, but just a genuine appreciation of what this is and what it can be. So. Well, y'all just took turns summing it up. So, so brilliantly that the, 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 the only thing I think I, I said no regrets earlier. The only thing I think I have a regret about uh, with regards to my time here is that it, it's it's impossible. It was impossible for me to know when I joined, like that we were going to get to that point, right? The the, the point you described, Cat, where you you came into the Slack room and saw all that stuff happening, because I think you start any job and. Uh, no matter how much experience you bring into it and uh, how much know-how you have to rest upon, there's always there's always new ropes to learn. There's always mm-hmm. something uh, to to rise to the occasion for to to challenge yourself with. And I had I had the requisite ones of those when I started, and then it was quickly you know even even January February it was like I think games coverage is going to look pretty different here soon if we don't get this under control. I was. I was ready to go out to Seattle in uh, early March, and then the the outbreak happened literally a mile from my parents. Um, so yeah, I'm getting back into it, but it's hard for me to see uh, a lot of this time without thinking so much about the pandemic. Um, but if I had been able to tell myself when I started, like even with this world altering thing happening. Uh, and 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 putting us all under so much stress and and trauma, really, uh, collectively, that we would be there basically a year later, a year to the date after I joined, working on so much cool shit. Mm-hmm. Um, set aside what then happened uh, that 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 uh, put some of that to rest, but like, if I had known that, I would have been so so ecstatic and jazzed. And like again, it's a, it's a silly thing to say is regret because you you don't get to know those things. Um, but uh, I, I I'm glad that I I had the trust and I had the support from y'all at the at the start there uh, to play my role in getting us to that point. So, you know, good good times. I just want to say thanks to you, the listener, for supporting US Gamer and Acts of the Blood God these past seven years. I feel like Acts of the Blood God in particular has come along long long way in the past five years it's kind of ridiculous to go back to and listen to old episodes and even even just going back to my notes from this time last year i'm like wow dang geez this this podcast (laughs) has grown a lot just even in the the past year i think just matured a ton and i'm really excited for the future so thank you for sticking with us and i look forward to everything we'll be doing in 2021 and huge thanks to Nadia and Eric and Matt uh, for the incredible work that they've done over the past few years over at US Gamer. Um, we ended up going a little bit long on our recollections of U- of US Gamer, and that's fine. So maybe we'll cut our actual end of the year discussion a little bit short, but I'm curious. So we posted our top games of the year list um, as kind of the final goodbye for US Gamer, ultimately. And I, we, our game of the year was Hades, mm-hmm. banger of a game. That's my game of the year, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to know what your games of the year were. Let's start with Matt. In a surprise to absolutely no one. Uh, no, I, 
I'll, I'll complicate this a little bit. My game of the year is Half-Life Alex, um, and I, I believe in the text of my my actual top 10 list that's being posted to the site, I just refer people back to my review because that really says just about everything I, I want to say as best as I could say it then um, about why I think that game is uh, a triumph. I don't think I don't think it's a VR killer app. I was I was actually talking to friend of the site Rev Valentine about this the other day as we were discussing our top games of the year and like I don't think VR is going to look like a headset and two controllers you hold in your hands if it's ever going to take off and be really successful. I think there will be some other layer of interaction or interface that will make it more popular in the long term. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know it's it's not that this is the way you do a shooter in virtual reality that that big term whatever virtual reality encompasses um half-life alex is the way you make a really good shooter with that headset and those two tracked controllers the same way doom was a really good shooter with just keyboard controls like i've never played the original doom with just keyboard controls Mm -hmm. but you can make the argument like that game would still hold up on that you know interface that it was originally designed for spectacularly well and that's the thing like no matter what the advances of vr are in the future you put those two controllers be they oculus or valves in someone's hand with the headset on and they designed a game that makes the most out of that uh that plays to those limitations uh so well to the point where if you're like me even playing it through again as i did recently with commentary on you'll find yourself trying to nudge a uh, filing cabinet shut with your knee which does fucking nothing <laughs> um, that's how much i'm able to lose myself in that game and part of that's probably just because i'm a big big half-life fan but like it, it is a testament to the work that they did that it you know you can be there for a couple hours and then forget that you just have this dorky thing on your head and these two like banana looking things in your hands um it, it's really great, but uh, as as I hope Jake, if he hears this, uh, appreciates. I had said last year that if I had played Outer Wilds, it probably would have fucked up my entire list, mm-hmm. uh, my entire top ten, because I gave that to Goose Game, I believe. And I played that I think in January, and yeah, I've not stopped thinking about that game ever since. If if I was if oh, I was if so I was good. playing Lucy Goosey, that would be my number one, and it was really really close. Also, uh, for me, I just finished it like in the last week as we record this uh, Kentucky Route Zero. I had started earlier in the year, uh, drifted away because the themes are heavy and they were hitting a little hard when I had picked it up. Um, but mm. man, the, that whole thing start to finish is just incredible. And like, I can't tell everybody to go out and play Half-Life Alex. That's not a reasonable thing to tell people to go do. Mm-hmm. If you have the means, I recommend it. But you can play Kentucky Route Zero on just about anything is my understanding. So I, I really hope people go play that this year. I thought that Half-Life Alex was an incredible technological achievement. And I, in a weird, in its own weird way, I don't feel like it gets enough credit. Um, it really took VR to another level. And I think my, one of my hopes in the next couple of years is that VR as a whole starts to be taken a lot more seriously and I think that one of the things that I always appreciated that you brought to the table, Matt, was that you did care about VR yeah. and you did speak with some knowledge about it. And so I felt like that really deepened our coverage in an area that doesn't get as much um, 
I want to say, uh, coverage or hype or whatever in the media as it should. All right. Yeah, VR, to be honest, is a little difficult to cover because it makes me sick as hell. I can't it's do it. It's also expensive to own one of those it's things. It's expensive. So it's it's good to have someone who can who is passionate about the medium and can go in there without, well, I don't know if he gets sick, but uh, yeah, I, I just barf. I, I want to shout do. out Mike Williams as well, who was doing VR before I arrived here, and he also did mm. our Quest 2 review. Like, Mike, I would, you know, ask Mike questions from time to time about, you know, more technical aspects of VR, and he was so good about you know if he didn't know the answer to it he knew exactly where to look um so that was a, that was a great great little little synergy we had there um but yeah i i think it's really cool and i understand people who aren't interested in it because it's just still you gotta have you gotta have so much space let's mm-hmm. set aside the money thing even if you're just gonna sit down like for squadrons which i played entirely in vr and still play in vr when i'm playing multiplayer how did you manage to do that man like i've played one mission in squadrons in vr and i was just like you need, you need a you need you need an iron stomach and a swivel chair to play that game oh yeah. you do amazing well uh my game of the year was hades i think i already mentioned that game to me is just unbelievable it's basically perfect in its own way the only thing that i take even a little bit of i have a little bit of a qualm with is the hydralis or the hydralis the hydra um i i find that battle slightly boring but i mean even that manages to be funny and kind of goofy in its own way but you know i don't even like roguelites i don't even like greek mythology that much and hades made both compelling to me it told such a wonderful story my housemate has been playing Hades recently and I'm just reminded all over again how beautiful this game is how polished it is how good the combat is how good the art is how good the music is it hits on every single level and it's just so darn uh it's just so darn clever in the way that it manages to take the core loop of roguelites and make that into the story I think that's great. And there's nothing about that game that feels mechanical at all. It feels, it all feels like it organically arises from the concept of the game itself. I think it's a really special Mm -hmm. game. And I think that we'll still be talking about it for years to come. And I think it will have a lot of influence on uh, that particular genre going forward. Uh, Beyond that, like I loved Hades. It's number number one. Um, I kind of think of this, my favorite games this year in terms of like a three and my other two games that were like my most played game was Animal Crossing New Horizons. I put like 500 hours into that game. Um, I finished my island in like July, but I, even though I don't spend a lot of time actually building my island anymore, I still go and just walk around and visit it because it's all my own little interactive garden for when I'm feeling really stressed out. And I'll be like, wow, this is so pretty. I can't believe I made this. And this makes me really happy. Um, and also I've kind of taken to putting up little holiday displays. I have a wonderful little Christmas market going right now. Oh, that's cool. I should visit and see it in my town. Oh yeah. You should come by. I didn't, I didn't know that you even played animal crossing, Nadia. Oh yeah. Uh, I guess going to my games of the year, it was one of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't play it as much as I did. I need to to go back to that. But uh, uh, if you were were you finished with your games of the year, Cat? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead, Nadia. What was your game okay. of the year? Hades. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you covered you covered a lot of reasons why it was great. I actually wrote a thing on the site about comparing its narrative to uh, 
Ubisoft's uh, Phoenix Rising, which came directly after, and which is also based in Greek myth, and how as much as I did kind of enjoy uh, Phoenix Rising, his writing was so predictable next mm-hmm. to Hades's writing, and I feel like that was uh, Phoenix's Rising's uh, misfortune being born in the shadow of Hades, which to this day, I, I have yet to see better writing in a video game. I have not seen any repeated dialogue ever in my many, many playthroughs of that game. Everything, every time I die, there's some sort of surprise waiting for me. And that makes it a lot easier to die, I have to, I have to admit. Um, the graphics are incredible. It even looks great on the Switch, which is hard to do sometimes. Uh, it's um, Music is, is fantastic. Its characters, uh, by far the best representation of Greek myth that I've ever seen in any medium, because they're so much fun, they're so funny, and they just really capture the pettiness yes. of the gods and how self-absorbed they are. And just the very idea of having to choose between two boons and pissing off the other god by rejecting them, and they just get so mad at you and start throwing enemies at you, that is so Greek myth. That is absolutely perfect. And then if you win, they're like, oh, fine, I guess, whatever, I don't care. They're just a bunch of sulky little children, which is exactly the way they should be depicted. So Hades is fantastic. Um, game of the year, easily. Runners-up include uh, Like a Dragon. Kat and I have talked about that extensively in previous episodes, about the reason why it's one of the best RPGs of the year. Uh, i got to give a shout-out to 13 mm. Sentinels, which is a very much a latecomer. I'm actually just playing through it now. I'm really, really, really loving it. It is so bananas. Absolutely bananas, and it is the by far the most gorgeous looking game out there right now. I'm, I love Vanillaware. I love their art. I know they get ridiculous with the fan service, uh, but I think I once said on Twitter they can draw all the stupid floppy titty witches <laughs> they want as long as they keep drawing monsters yes. and dragons because they're so good. And mechs. And I don't care about mechs. The, the sentinels. The food. the food. They need to keep drawing the food. Their food looks delicious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never stop with the food. So 13 Sentinels gets a shout out. Also, uh, I know it wasn't 2020 technically, but I spent a lot of time with Final Fantasy 14, which patch 5.3 was this year. And even though it's only a patch, it felt like an, extent, an expansion by itself. As part of Shadowbringers. It wrapped up much of what happened in Shadowbringers. And it was just one of the most emotionally devastating pieces of a game I have ever played. I just still can't go back to some of those cinemas and not watch them without crying. They're really, really, really intense. And I loved every minute of it. I, yeah, I played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV this year. Jeez. So, yeah, those are, those are the games I enjoyed this year. And there are many more, but those are the ones that immediately spring to mind. Yeah, um, Hades was also my game of the year, um, and and I had the the wonderful honor of writing the essay for it, uh, where I kind of just talked about how, like you said, it's it's this game that does everything so well. I think we were talking earlier today, and I just said it was like frictionless, the way that it just moves, and I never. So yes. the, the thing I wanted to hone in on on my essay was that I think a lot of roguelikes, even going back to like ftl and stuff like that it's very centered on the idea of a successful run or an unsuccessful run you know you either make it to the end and beat the big boss or you don't and you failed and i think that's why a lot of people bounce off of roguelites in general is because they just hit walls and they don't have motivation to keep going because the only motivation is to keep banging your head against the wall until you get through it and hades it it feels like the simplest concept of what if death is how you progress in this game what if dying means 
you're going back home and you're progressing the story and you're talking to people and that's where our progression is. And so that way your escape attempts are still a goal, but they're not the main goal. The main goal of Hades is really just rebuilding that house and getting closer to other people. And that isn't tied to success or failure in your runs. And I think that's just the smartest dang thing that any roguelite has ever done. And it's why it works so well, because I play a lot of roguelites. I play Let's Slay the Spire, Monster Train, Risk of Rain, um, FTL, Into the Breach. Like, I play a lot of these games, and none of them have managed to do with story and narrative and world building what Hades has done. And it's a testament to what Supergiant has put together that it's so universally loved. And it's competing with, like, I'm just going to be honest here and say like Oscar bait style games. Um, you know, the, the games that you would expect to be at the top of the awards list and it's competing with them and it's fully deserved to, um, the, the very close runner up for me was Umaranki generation, which was the, uh, free roaming photography sim that came out this year. That is absolutely incredible, and much like Kentucky Route Zero, it runs on just about anything, so all I'm going to tell you is go play it, and if you don't have a laptop or whatever, uh, they are working on a Switch version, so when that comes out, I'm going to be yelling about it again. Like, I don't know what else to say. You need to play that game. It is the game of the year 2020. Um, it Seconded, yeah. It's, grapples it's, with everything. It's the cyberpunk game of the year 2020 yes. as well. If you care about that genre, <laughs> if you care about the... Uh, limits and also the uh, possibilities of that genre. If you care about the possibilities of first-person storytelling, so if you you know yes. if you're someone yes. who loves Firewatch or uh, Stanley Parable, anything that's you know remotely experimental uh, with that kind of control set and viewpoint, um, you owe it to yourself mm-hmm. to play that game. Uh, and it's also not very long, even if you tack on the amazing DLC. Uh, so you can play that game in a day and just be floored for the rest of for the rest of the day until you go to sleep yeah like it's great i've been talking about that game since i played it like i it's it's just something that is so unlike anything else it's it's that game that you play and it's so hard to describe because it does so many things that have not really been turned into video game lexicon yet you know we have terms that can kind of vaguely describe other games but umarangi generation is one of those games where it's like it's hard to describe it because we don't have all that built-in language like it's not the dark souls of pokemon snap or whatever you want to call it like it's, it's <laughs> so much more um, but like there's there's so many simple snap. things like to, to, to tack onto that but like okay has there been any photography game where you have puzzles around like, okay, you need to use this lens because mm-hmm. without this yes. lens, you don't have the field of view to get all this stuff in the frame. Like it's even just on a pure mechanical mm-hmm. level, set aside the storytelling and the amazing art. Like that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an incredible game and uh, it's, it was real neck and neck for a while, whether it was going to beat Hades for my game of the year or not. Um, and I just barely give it to Hades, but I'm talking like degrees, <laughs> I'm talking inches here. Uh, and then shout outs again, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, uh, excellent game. As Nadia mentioned, uh, I think it's just an incredible thing that Vanillaware has put together. Uh, and also Yakuza Like a Dragon. These are like two games from two studios that have been making, you know, one type of game for a very long time, you know, vanilla where the 2d beat em ups and Yakuza with the 3d beat em ups. 
and they both pivoted into these more narrative heavy uh like very different genres of games for these studios and both of them pull it off so incredibly well uh that i i i keep telling people even if they haven't played other yakuza games they need to play like a dragon because it's that's it's that good and if you like narrative in video games you need to play 13 sentinels um and then my last shout out is Blazeball because Blazeball is love. Blazeball is life. We are all participating great in the cultural point. event that is Blazeball. It is free to play. Um, that that was the thing I needed when sports was just a hellscape <laughs> this year. And the fact that it eventually turned into a thing where people were we being raised ball. from the dead and incinerating each other and they were fighting God. Only God is a peanut. And like... <laughs> it sounds like a JRPG. It literally without any warning at the end of a playoff like basically imagine if at the end of the world series okay the red sox beat the yankees or whatever and the red sox are celebrating it is and then god descends from the heavens and says you are not worthy of being a champion of this sport and he raises from the dead like you know babe ruth and a bunch of other sluggers from the past <laughs> all super powered and says beat my champions and they just demolish you. And then and then the next World Series, everyone knows. They've been coming back. They've been training. They've been working the elections to build up. Only we still fall to the god because the god's shelled ones are too powerful. Except then the Hull Stars arrive and they're the good spirits from the past. It's like Field of Dreams meets Undertale. And it's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> Blazeball is something that is just... I don't think it could have happened any other year, but this year, the way that people just <laughs> latched onto it, it was a community. It was people needed that attachment to something in their life. And I think it made a lot of people realize that, Hey, I like sports and a lot of sports people realize, Hey, I like fandom. But uh, at the same time, it was just this incredible experiment into what narrative in video games can do and the way that a community can collaborate with a dev and play this yes and off of each other where the community says hey if we abuse this loophole in the rules we could raise this pitcher from the dead and the developers say okay we'll let you do that but now when the pitcher comes back they're going to start beating players and those players are going to get incinerated in their place because necromancy has a cost and like that's that's a good thing that's it's incredible to watch so i'm very eager for blazeball um the game band is in siesta right now preparing for whatever is next for them uh but i hope that when blazeball returns in whatever form it may be that it will be something truly to behold i want like an actual baseball video game that's like this i want the super mario sluggers but with Hell uh yeah. but like bowser can incinerate people like let's let's get to that place no no put 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 god in super mario sluggers come on let's go all the finally, way finally i've always wanted to kill mm. god in a mario game you know i thought the persona had it like you know they got that all the time but mario never gets to kill god <laughs> I don't know, god is i think god is rosalina in the mario universe uh she's definitely the queen of the universe and she could go mad with power like cortana and so mario needs the help of master chief to kill god <laughs> we're, get, we're getting into game master anthony territory real quick aren't we <laughs> you know I've said from the start on this podcast that sports and RPGs are not that different. People are like, Kat, how can you like Final Fantasy and soccer at the same time? Yes. I just yeah. don't understand. And I'm like, well, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Just imagine Madden. Oh, just imagine that Madden is Pokemon, but you're collecting large 
beefy men, right? There you go. And Blazeball just proves that. I mean, the fact that it makes total sense that, oh yeah, you win the World Series and here comes a one-winged angel to show up who's going to raise all of the great sluggers of the past from the dead and now you're having a final boss battle. Yep, yep, sure, why not? It's all numbers-driven nonsense. Well, as you may have heard, this is U.S. Gamers' last game of the year. So do you guys want to hear what U.S. Gamers' uh, history of game of the years is? Oh, I would, actually. Oh, God, I'm going to regret this, but sure. Yeah, I want to hear this. So 2013 and 2014 didn't have game of the years for whatever reason. Um, it was just more of a, like, here's the best, some of the best games of the year mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we started picking an actual game of the year starting in 2015. And the first one was Super Mario Maker. Okay. Oh, good, that's pick. Good, good pick. Good pick. That's a good pick. Yeah. Good pick. Unique pick. I, I, in hindsight, I think like Witcher 3 probably was the best game yeah. that came out that year. But, you know, at the time, it was kind of like uh, we didn't have the expansions yet. And there was still a lot of refinement mm-hmm. going into it and everything. So and Super Mario Maker certainly made a big difference in the actu- in terms of the actual um, Twitch streaming mm-hmm. at the time. Like yeah. I kind of created a whole new category of Twitch streaming. It really it did. They, they kind of broke out at the same time and they really complemented each other. One of my first features I wrote as a freelancer was about the Mario Maker feud between Dan Reichert and Patrick Klepek. Uh Oh, I remember that. <laughs> really yeah. Good. So Mario Maker rules. Big fan. That was such a Jeremy Parrish pick too because <laughs> he totally is, is he was all in on Mario Maker from like the start and he had a Bob and probably Nadia behind him, so that's why. I don't know. You know what? I was here. never a huge Mario Maker fan. I understand the pick. I think it's a good pick, but I don't like making levels. I find okay. it's just too much trouble. I think I picked Metal Gear Solid 3 or Metal Gear Solid 5 that year, which was a good game, but maybe in hindsight, not my game of the year of that year. It had a good dog. I feel um, that game holds up in different ways, though. Like, maybe story-wise it doesn't hold up, but I feel like the gameplay mm. could still hold up. Tactically, yeah. oh yeah. Gameplay is so good. Holy cow. Uh, 2016 was Overwatch. Um, and that was pretty much u- unanimous, I remember. And honestly, like that was a heck of a game at the mm-hmm. time. It when was. Overwatch came out. It felt like it had completely redefined shooters. Like it kind of, 2016 really was the year of Overwatch in so and many it ways. It just kind of faded. Blizzard really uh, did something wrong with that. Screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Um, that was certainly an Overwatch year, but Matt, you might have uh, backed me up on this, that my list for that year, Overwatch, was my number two because Hitman... The, the rebooted Hitman came Ooh, out that year. Yeah, I, I think that would probably be my 2016 number one as well. I'm so excited. We're like a month away from a new one. Matt, you, ah. know, you know we got to do it. You know we got to do it. We have to. We got to stream that shit, yeah. Yes. <laughs> 2017, I think you all can guess what number 2017 was. It was Legend of the Zelda Breath of the Wild, but that was a heck of a year. That Holy was a cow. good year, and I still love Breath of the Wild. I booted up once in a while just to, just to ride around, just to... to such a gorgeous world. Such a, such a freeing world. I find it one of the most relaxing games ever designed. In hindsight, I think it was the right choice, especially given that we put Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at number one in yeah. our yeah. top uh, top 100 games of the decade list. Yes. But I think I put Nier Automata yes. um, at number one on my oh, personal right. list. And that, uh, like, I stand by that choice. It was a, I mean, both of those games are amazing in their own way. You know what? I still have to finish near. I haven't really gotten too far into it. Nadia, you need to play that game. You got. I've got a. Co- I've got an unopened copy of it Nier. over here. This is what makes it special. <laughs> I have like the whole raid to do in Final Fantasy XIV, and I don't get it, so I have to uh. play to get it. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, Final Fantasy 14. 2017 was like the year where my list, I go back and look at it, and any one of those games could have been my number one game of the year any other year. Because like even mm. it was Persona 5, that was Breath of the Wild, that was Nier, that was Danganronpa V3. But even stuff like Battleship Brigade came out that year. And if Battleship Brigade came out this year, it could be a competitor. <laughs> like So it's like 2017 was just a disgustingly good year for games. It that was. was Yakuza 0 as well, which could also be a oh, contender shit, right. in the other year. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It's, act, it's in Mario Odyssey. It's, it's really staggering, the number of oh, incredible that games Mario that Odyssey came out too? that year. That was, God, yep. Persona 5, Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that was insane. Good year for video games. Oh, I mean, the Switch just went on this crazy run to start that out. That was PUBG. Yeah. I think that was the official launch of PUBG. That was the oh, PUBG that PUBG year, yeah. yeah. PUBG came out. Hiding in bathtubs and toilets and stuff. <laughs> Remember when we played and I think something happened. Katie shot Cat or I ran everyone over or it was a real mess when we played together. Yeah, you ran us over. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have the a license in real life. Team. Why would I be a good driver? <laughs> we were the worst team ever. It was so great. Uh, 2018 was Red Dead Redemption 2, which I still have a lot. Of, I really enjoyed that game. I put yeah. a couple hundred hours into that game. Uh, you know, Tahiti. Tahiti, Arthur. Tahiti, gotta um, go to Tahiti. Have some goddamn faith, Arthur. Gotta have some faith. You have some goddamn faith. <laughs> I still, I stand uh, by that. I played uh, Red Dead like a year later, and you all know the story about that, mm-hmm. and it's on the site. But uh, even separated from that, I still find it a really fantastic game. I am not a Rockstar fan at all, but Red Dead 2, something about it just really spoke to me. I think, you know, I have a friend who doesn't like Red Dead, but he said he relates to Arthur because, quote-unquote, he is very tired, and people keep asking him to do things anyway. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> but yeah, I can relate to that. And I really, really liked Arthur and his really sad journey through life and the horses. The horses were great. I had a, I had a really hard time picking a game of the year in 2018. Um, I feel like 2017 was such a high that 2018 felt like a bit of a come down from it. But uh, mm. Kat, I have a feeling that you might agree with this one. Celeste was my game of the year for that year. Slash was a yeah, good pick. That was, you know, in hindsight, I feel like I have more warmth in my heart for Celeste ever since. And they they keep revealing little bits of information Mm -hmm. about that game that brings it even closer to my heart. And I'm like, oh, I love it. I love it. What a wonderful game. I don't think there's... I was terrible at it. I think it's legitimately one of the best platform games I've ever played. It's like up there with Super Mario World for me killer soundtrack mm-hmm. as well uh counter shout out uh to lena rain who also did the sound the opening sound music for axel the blood god. yes blood awesome. god. it's awesome the tunes of the blood god and finally 2019 disco elysium mm-hmm. which i think y'all were here when we actually yep. picked that one yeah good pick i i have no regrets disco elysium was the right i still gotta choice. play it because it's not on consoles yet but it's coming it's, it's coming, coming to consoles yeah um, it's 100%. in my Steam library, and I'm about to have a lot of free time on my hands. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, game time! I feel like I feel like this 2019 was was an, a very good year, and I feel like it's the start of something that we've seen in 2020. Now it's like indies have become like they're competing on the level of the AAAs because last year we had um, we we had disco elysium we had outer wilds this year we have kentucky route zero we have hades we have umaranki and like it's just been such a great time for indies uh but i do got to shout out fire emblem three houses oh absolutely uh i 100%. still love that game i went back to the dlc it's still great that game owns 
Fire Emblem Forever. Welcome to the new renaissance, the new golden age, Fire Emblem. <laughs> Shout out to having anime protagonists with my maiden name. I still love that. That was an amazing game. Uh, like, it really remade Fire Emblem in so many ways, even as it kind of completely changed it and got away from a lot of the like fundamentals of it. Uh, it was outstanding, and I think is a big reason why say Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light got re-released as a nostalgic NES release because people were so in on Three Houses, ultimately. Uh, so yeah, that was awesome. When I look at, so yeah, 2020, Hades, I think, amazing choice. But like, when I look at our top 20, like I feel really good about Kentucky Route Zero, mm -hmm. just because I feel like in its own way, that was almost kind of the game of the decade from an indie standpoint, because... I don't know, like it started in what, 2013 and kind of kept going throughout and wrapping up in 2020, it felt like an achievement award. So I felt really good about giving that. And Umarangi Generation at number three. So our top three were indies. Take that game award. <laughs> <Top three results. laughs> were there any omissions that you felt like really should have been in the top 20? Oh, I'd have to go back to the list um, and, and look it back over. Uh, I think one of the ones that I ended up cutting that I put on my own top 10 was Spiritfarer. Um, mm. That game, and, and I think there's like perfectly valid reasons why we have other games on the list over Spiritfarer, but uh, for me personally, like that was just a very soothing game to play. It was a very calming game to play, uh, which is always welcome in this day and age. And uh, Necrobarista was one of the other ones that I really liked from this year that I just, I, I didn't even put on my own top 10 list, but it was one that I think uh, I look back fondly on and I'm looking forward to whatever that team does next. Uh, and Rivals. Rivals is a really weird game that I keep thinking about, but uh, and I don't think I even got around to writing about it for the site, but it's a, a detective game where you're a novelist who's charting the history of this band that broke up and how each of the artists like went off on their own and, and did their own thing. I like to call it like, what if you could be the Fleetwood Mac detective <laughs> and, and you had to like write the biography of Fleetwood Mac and, and put that all together. Only it's a, um, it's a very much like a folk rock type band. Um, like, Oh God, Matt, you're going to kill me once I think of the band that I'm trying to think of right now. Um, I can't, I can't, I, I'm going to pull up Chris Plant's review of Polygon of it because he, he's the one um, who made the comparison. Wilco, Wilco. That's the one I was thinking of. So <laughs> ah, Wilco, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drag you for not thinking of Wilco, man. It's Wilco music. It's, it's all Wilco music. And, um, it's, it's something that I didn't, again, I didn't put it on my top 10, but it's, I keep thinking about it. It's, it's a really neat game. There were a lot of really neat little detective games this year that I enjoyed. Um, I, okay so well go ahead man uh, i feel really good about our top 20 because it was just there's so many great games that came out this year and there's a lot on there that uh you know just barely missed the cut for my top 10 that are represented on there so i feel good about that but also games that i know uh that y'all loved and that i haven't yet played um but one i want to just shout out here is mixalumia which is this great uh yeah. little match three game uh by a developer it goes by the name of dave makes on twitter who just posted a gif one day of this idea that like came to him in a dream or something of, of a match three game and then documented the whole process of making it. And the end result is this beautiful little thing that you can get for like 10 bucks on itch.io uh, that has uh, these simplistic pixel graphics, but 
it's match three turned to 45 degrees with physics enables. So the, the mm. blocks slide around and break up as you as you drop these groups of blocks down, um, which makes her really fantastic like cascading situations. Uh-huh. Uh, and then that's all paired with reactive music and graphics. And you can define your own color palettes. People can make their own music packs. So there's like, you can like make it look like Windows 95 and then pair it with music made up of Brian Eno's sound effects for Windows 95. <laughs> you can make that game look and feel however you want in this way where it's just like, it makes you wish there was like tools to do your own weird stuff in Tetris Effect. It's, it's such this amazing little thing uh, that you can get for 10 bucks. And even if you don't get it, I recommend going and finding that Twitter thread because it will teach you a lot about at least how, you know, how you troubleshoot the design of a uh, puzzle game. Like and and make that into something uh, like that has legs, you know, more than just an idea of blocks falling down a screen. Um, so it's it's really you know incredible just in that respect. But if you play it, you'll just like lose an hour to it, which is what regularly happened to me there for a while. So okay, we're like we're at ninety minutes in, uh-huh. and we should probably wrap up at some point, but. I I think my final question for all of you is, was this a good year for games? Because I think there were some really good games that came out ultimately, but when I look back on it, I don't think it was entirely everything that I was hoping for. Like, there were some phenomenal indies, for sure. Like, Hades and Umarangi Generation really were special in their own way. And I think there were some incredible tech showcases just between Microsoft Flight Simulator and Half-Life Alex, but... So much of the best of this year was just kind of a culmination of what had already been coming this generation. And I didn't really feel like I was breaking through into any new and interesting territory outside of maybe Microsoft Flight Simulator. And then the biggest game of the year was not just a letdown, it was a total disaster. And that's always kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah, I think it was the best year it could be under the circumstances. Uh, Hades, uh, sorry, not Hades, uh, Cyberpunk aside, which was its whole other thing, um, I think everyone did a fantastic job considering that they were all learning how to work remotely. We kind of take it for advantage that we've been working remotely for many, many years. We know how it's done. And as you said, Kat, it's not easy. And adapting to that and still putting out great games is uh, is quite a feat. So I feel like under the circumstances, people did the best they could. Uh, I really wish Cyberpunk had delayed another year or something. It would have been terrible on at, for the short term. Everyone would have been angry, rabble, rabble, rabble. But everyone's really angry now, and it's, they're going to be angry for a long time. So it would have been a lot better if they had delayed the game. But that is the only real huge disappointment that comes to mind for me. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, there was like a running gag this year of all my favorite games getting delayed because. Uh, like the three games I would say I was most looking forward to, uh, Vampire Bloodlines 2, Tales of Arise, and Guilty Gear Strive all got delayed out of, oh, right. out of 2020. Sorry, <laughs> um, and Cyberpunk also was a game I was looking forward to that kept getting delayed. So in that respect, I think 2020 was an interesting year just because it meant I had so much more room for games to surprise me or for me to like really spend more time with games because I... I think when you work in the media, you have a tendency to just kind of flit from game to game to game. And I don't think I would have spent anywhere near as much time with Animal Crossing or Hades or, or even older stuff like the Final or Final Fantasy. Um, I did like Final Fantasy, but 
the Command and Conquer remaster and uh and and like even older games if if all that stuff had been coming out we'd been dealing with a real next gen console rollout so yeah it was kind of a bummer year like we missed some you know Halo didn't come out with the consoles and Deathloop didn't come out with the consoles and all that but in in hindsight you know we got to have the room to really talk about Kentucky Route Zero and not have stuff like that gumming up the works so maybe that is ultimately for the better in some ways yeah I think Nadia had the right of it when she said it was the best year that it could have been under yes. the circumstances. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think so. Bummer year for games culture. Pretty good year for games releases is about all I have to say. Like yeah. co- covering this stuff, covering the delays, covering the the struggles. Um, there were there were some heartening stories along the way. One thing I really hope that is taken away from the success and the, and the applause for Hades is the way that Supergiant went about making that game. Uh, I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying like they're the model that everyone should or can follow. But uh, hey, there's a whole documentary series on YouTube about how they made that. And uh, at the very least, like people who make roguelites and people who do early access should take some notes on that. Um, but plenty, plenty of bad stuff happened uh, to games, to teams making games this year. And uh, it, it, it's hard it's hard to not look at it that way and go it's a bummer but i look at my top 10 i look at this top 20 and i think damn there was there was just a, a killer list of games out this year from the perspective of like people who want more from games and hope that games can be better and hope that they can be made in better ways that are kinder to people um i think there are a lot of success stories to point to uh this year despite the terrifying circumstances that we all find ourselves in so and i think that is as good a wrap up as we're gonna get with our look back on the year that was 2020 in games and what a weird weird year it was hopefully 2021 will be a little bit better and as always i look forward to being surprised and delighted by all of the wonderful games that come out i'm Never entirely sure what my top 10 is going to look like, and I really look forward to the RPGs that are going to come out and surprise me. Okay. We are going to continue on to the track of the week. Don't go away. Okay, it's time for the track of the week, the segment in which we listen to a song from our favorite RPG because music is so important to understanding the genre that we love, and this week... We have a song from Hades, our game of the year. See if you recognize this track. Yes, that song you just heard was Good Riddance which is sung in Hades and is also a Green Day song, but that's neither here nor <laughs> See, there. See, that one I call time of your life, so I I get, I don't get confused. I call it high school graduation. N- yep. <laughs> As 90s kids, I just had to throw in that reference. Anyway, Nadia, why did you pick this song? Uh, I actually p- picked the uh, duo in particular between Eurydice and um, Orpheus because... When the game starts, uh, Orpheus and Eurydice are are quite a, quite apart in terms of both physically and emotionally. Uh, if you know the legend of Eurydice and Orpheus, uh, Orpheus tried to guide 
Eurydice out of Hades under the condition that he would not look back and and uh, just had to trust that she was there with him. And he chickened out at the last second and looked back and sent her back to Hades. And uh, so in the game, she's obviously not happy about that. And so Good Riddance is kind of a, a breakup song to Orpheus, but you can reconcile the two. I haven't done it yet. And they will sing it together, given how they sing it in you know, on different pitches when they have the duo together. It actually sounds very, very nice, and uh, I just thought I would... Uh, I have to say the... I don't want to say good riddance to U.S. Gamer, but <laughs> it is certainly goodbye, and I felt like it was an appropriate send-off. Kind of melancholy, but they got together in the end, so they're happy. They'll, they'll work things out, and we'll work things out, too. Yeah, um, the lyrics of it are, like, incredibly depressing if you read them, because it's like, farewell to all earthly remains... No hunger, no sleep, mild and warm, safe from all harm, calm. Like, it's it's very much like, yeah, all the good things are gone and all the bad things are gone and we're just down here. And, you know, initially it sounds very bitter, but then when they're together, it sounds almost sweet. Like, they don't have to worry about anything else but themselves and the song they're singing. So, like, it's, it's another signpost of just how well Hades develops stories over time and that's an entire like Nadia you mentioned that you're still working on it like that's a sub story that's not part of the main quest or what have you of Mm -hmm. Hades it's just something that you can pursue if you choose to and I think that's that's beautiful it's very sweet there are like a lot of those in the game that are like that like a relationship with Meg or Thanatos or uh, Achilles and a certain stranger in Elysium that are all just very nice and very good you're gonna see. You can do better than him. You're a strong, powerful woman. <laughs> Leave that loser yeah, behind. But Orpheus is like the Tom York of of Greece, you know. <laughs> He's dragging you down. He's just David Bowie in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Only if David Bowie were perpe- perpetually sad and like, oh, I feel so bad. Exactly about the Tom York of hell. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the nail right on the head there. I will say that I think I already mentioned that I've been listening to, I've been hearing Hades' music a lot because it's been played in my house lately while I've been just hanging out in the living room. And oh my God, the soundtrack in that game is killer. It has the best soundtrack, I think, of any game that came out this year. I just love the the combination of kind of crunchy, grinding rock, especially when you're fighting bosses and everything. The boss battles themes are phenomenal uh, combined with the, the court... The quieter tunes we did um uh for track of the week we did lament of orpheus right that's one we did mm-hmm. yeah earlier this year and it was you know i i think that song is equally beautiful so just the bi- ability to effortlessly go from these like yeah like really energetic and you're having a good time to these quieter more somber moments like shows the range of hades and why i like it so much my favorite super giant duo is still uh setting sail coming home from bastion but this is a close second yeah okay that was our track of the week thanks for listening and i think that's about it for our episode and our final episode with us gamer wow end of an era r.i.p thank you to us gamer for being the home for acts of the blood god for so long and we look ahead to the future as acts of the blood god goes independent and becomes 
as it should be. The blood god is finding a new form and is evolving and maybe sprouting a wing or something like that. <laughs> Just one. So. You're not allowed to have two in JRPGs. You can have, no, you know what? You can no, have one. Absolutely not. You can have one. Sometimes you can have one angel wing and sometimes one double wing, but you can't have two of the same wings. Mm. It's, it's illegal. <laughs> our Lord and our Lord, Tetsuya Nomura, decrees it. So. <laughs> oh, I love Blood God's so ca- covered in belts. Oh, God. Poor, so. poor Blood God. <laughs> Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, do us a favor, leave us a review, and follow us on all of the social medias, especially as Eric and Matt are striking out independent. You should go and support them Please. in all of their endeavors. Uh, Eric is at CMOSI, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. Matt is M-A-T-H-E-W-O-L-S-O-N. Matthew Olson. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford, and I'm at the underscore catbot. I stream on Twitch every Monday at twitch twitch.tv slash TV, and you should be following me on twitter because i am going to be announcing all of the patreon stuff when it goes live on january 4th so you're going to have all the information there we're going to have a big trailer that is going to be kind of explaining what we are doing with the patreon what our vision is going to be there on that front we're going to be expanding the social media presence of acts of the blood god in general so there is a lot to look forward to you got a lot of work to do, Nadia. I feel very tired already. We're already in the middle of a lot of work, but it'll be worth it. It will be absolutely worth it. So please look forward to that. And on that happy note, the Blood God will be reborn again, rising from the ashes of US Gamer. But have a good holiday, everybody. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And for Eric, Matt, Nadia, myself, and all the rest of the US Gamer team, Jake, Kieran, Joel, Mike, Katie, am I forgetting somebody? <laughs> Tom. Jeremy, Jazz, all mm-hmm. of the people. Tom. You know. Let's give a shout out to Tom. Tom Ori. If I, if I forgot you, I'm really sorry. For everybody who has ever been associated with Eurus Gamer, thanks for listening. Happy adventure. Happy adventure.